Person. Welcome to Myth Takes Unplugged. Do you have a do you have a better name for it? Myth Takes Underground. Uh, I like Myth Takes Unplugged. That's pretty funny. Okay. Um, well, then here, hi everyone. This is Myth Takes Unplugged, and my name is Jordan Reed, and with me today is my very good special boy, Colin Parker. Hello, Colin. Hello. Colin, so the tables have turned. Yes. For this exclusive and highly planned and thought out uh, <laughs> episode of Myth Takes Unplugged, where we're doing a small one-off, and I am now the keeper, and you are the hunter. Yes. So why don't you tell everybody what we're doing, what this world is, what the little scenario will be? Sure. So just to be sure... um, Everyone knows uh, what this is or who this character is. I am going to be playing as Terry. Terry is the Lyft driver uh, that has been <laughs> a favorite of Natalie and Garth slash Stephanie and Jordan, um, their respective players, and the absolute bane of Graham slash Lucy's existence in the Spellbound arc. Terry is a man, a younger man. He's in his like mid-20s. He has a uh, now I it technically on like when you're looking at playbooks on this game, they tell you to pick one. I somehow have picked two for the face. He has a young face, but it's also a haunted face. Oh, um, good. And I think that's just the fact of like, you know, when you're a millennial and you're trying to just make make by, I think we all sort of have haunted faces. Um, that's the one thing that I think I think that's so weird about this game is that. You have to pick what type of face they have, as if perpetually throughout the entire lifespan of this character, they do have a haunted face. Yeah, no, I and I think it's interesting that like they make you pick like certain things, but then like but it's not always the same depending on what character you're looking at. Like sometimes it's not about the face, sometimes it's about like the eyes or like something about like the body. It's very interesting. And Terry definitely just wears casual wear. He's, you know, like jeans and a t-shirt kind of guy. Uh, maybe a baseball cap not necessarily the way that i sometimes dress on my own it's a little bit more of just like you know again he's a he's a lift driver he's just kind of trying to be relaxed you know so since you're already describing what terry is wearing uh what archetype have you chosen for terrence so i oh that's right i, I have chosen the chosen <laughs> ah. um because there are a lot of great playbooks but we both sort of i think agreed like not necessarily at the same time, because we both sort of came to this, I think, on our own conclusions. But it was just so funny to have Terry, the meatball enthusiast Lyft driver, be a uh, chosen one. Now, we're going to get to kind of what this story is actually about. But for fear of letting on too much, I will say that some of this happens in a dream. Is Terry a chosen in the real world? Or only in his dream? That's a good question. I would like to think that he is a chosen one in real life, but not like necessarily 
the type of chosen that I think you normally see in movies and stuff like that, where like he has this like really huge, great, powerful meaning. Like I think that he his his chosen thing is that he's like supposed to have one important moment in his life, and like then that's it. But like the importance <laughs> of of it is like very still kind of like very medium on the scale of like action heroes, you know? Yeah. Like he, he's supposed to essentially give a piece of information to someone that then makes like the antidote to like the virus or whatever, you know, like stuff like that. Like he's kind of like, he's like a secondary chosen. Yes. The chosen question, the, the chosen. Yeah. Or we're like, if, if someone were to see him do the thing that would make him the chosen, they'd be like, Oh, that him. Yeah. That guy, this man, couldn't find anybody else, huh? <laughs> I guess this is it, huh? All right. Well, hope we're in good hands. Okay. Well, with that being said, um, do you want to describe or do you do you know your moves yet? I know all chosen have two moves, and then you get to pick a move. Yes. Okay. So uh, you get the basic moves, and then you get uh, Destiny's plaything at the beginning of each mystery. Roll plus weird to see what is revealed about your immediate future. We'll get to, like, what happens when I roll for that uh, later. I'm here for a reason. There's something you are destined to do. Work out the details with the Keeper based on your fate. That probably won't necessarily come up in this one. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Um, And then for the other one, I think that... I think I might go with... uh, My thing is, like, I, I would like to think that Terry is the big entrance. When you make a showy entrance into a dangerous situation, roll plus cool... On 10 plus, everyone stops to watch and listen until you finish your opening speech, stuff like that. I just feel like he's the kind of guy that like just sort of shows up and is like, what's up, everybody? Hey, Terry is here, you know, <laughs> and like it's like you should get the element of surprise. But instead, he just like walks in and is like, all right, uh, who do I fight here? You know, I would like to think that Terry is the self-prescribed uh, big entrance. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Exactly. And again, just like be like the the idea that he is um this like kind of secondary guy, like his big entrance is still kind of like it's really just a medium entrance. Like yeah. <laughs> he thinks that he's making a big showy entrance, but it's like very lackluster. And everyone's like, seriously, this guy, this is this, all right. Like maybe the equivalent would be he walks into a place and everyone literally goes, oh, hey, Terry. But in his head, he hears like, <laughs> can you believe it's Terry? And he hears whispering and people pointing and he's like. I, it is me, Terry. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, I think some of these things will become more apparent throughout. But again, I've only been a keeper one time, and I think that will hopefully lend itself well to this maybe being very well put together and very professionally done. Cool. Sounds okay. good. Okay. Uh, that was a joke that I made up. Okay. So <laughs> this story begins. On Terry's lunch break from Lyft, uh, and this is what what time of the day would you say that Terry would like to take a lunch break? So you know Terry knows that like not many people would like to do the night shift, so he's you know his lunch instead of noon, his lunch shift is at like one a.m. Basically. Ah, okay. Well, lucky for Terry, his favorite place. Uh, well, also, how many days a week is Terry working? He usually only does like five, but if he's done like a good weekend where there's like a lot of surge pricing and stuff, he might he might take an extra day off. Okay, cool. Okay, so uh, tops five, but sometimes four. Right. 
Okay, so the majority of the time, five days a week for Terry's lunch break, Terry always goes to Mark's Meatball Metropolis. Uh, and this is this is a small family-run place in Boston, Massachusetts, where Terry lives. Uh, but he is a transplant, correct? Yes. Okay, originally from, I would assume, uh, New, York. New York. Absolutely. So Terry heads into Mark's Meatball Metropolis and is greeted by Mark himself, who says, Oh, good. Hey, Terry, how are you? Hey, Mark, Mark, Mark. You got that uh, that meatball that I'm craving. Yeah, we do. And again, just one Mark will do. That's my first name. Just Mark is fine. The usual, Terry? Uh, yes, please. Mark uh, puts on some gloves that are perhaps a little bit too big for him. Those like, not necessarily vinyl gloves, but those plastic ones that are the size of, um, what was the giant Bigfoot or like that gigantic ape, that prehistoric ape, Gigantopithecus? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That sounds right. Uh, I I guess I had to think about that because that's the size of those gloves. Uh, if anyone's ever worked for uh, food food service, not fruit service, but food service, uh, that's the size of those gloves that everyone puts on. He puts those on, scoops all of his homemade meatballs. Well, not all of them. Uh, scoops, uh, <laughs> let's just say, because Terry likes an extra large meatball sub, which is surprising because Terry stays in good shape, but maybe he only eats a meatball sub. He's just so busy. Scoops five to six meatballs on a sub, puts provolone on top, puts it under the um, broiler, melts the cheese. It looks great. And uh, I will say in this moment in fiction, there is one of those um, high, like the the entire scene of Mark making the meatball sub. There's uh, Vivaldi playing in the background, perhaps. Um, okay. And it's like the, the super high definition cameras that are, that's like super slow motion, like on all the highfalutin or bougie uh, shows about food. You know uh, what I mean? Yes. Like insanely slow motion. It's like overly artistically shot. And he's just literally scooping meatballs on some pre-made bread and melting cheese on it. But it's... Right. And you see like the bubbling happening oh, and everything. Yeah. Like, oh, it's so good. And like, it makes you so hungry. And you know it's garbage. Oh, yeah. But you're like, oh, that looks so good. In, in these cooking shows, they could literally be putting actual garbage uh, under a broiler on bread and melting plastic and aluminum foil or whatever but if it's shot this way and they're playing i don't know anything pretty underneath i guess i just went to vivaldi under under the broiler in super slow-mo i'd be like well i kind of have a taste for garbage (laughs) (laughs) but uh so fast forward the meatball sub is done mark says okay terry uh do you have your punch card uh yeah i got it right here here you go oh well it's your lucky saturday terry because this is your free sub. Congrats. Now, if you do come, keep coming back in, I'm not sure if we're going to allow you to have the card anymore because you've gotten now 37 free subs. <laughs> <laughs> and Terry goes, uh, hey, you know, I'm just, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, and I mean, maybe, you know, that was foresight on our part that there would be someone who literally eats upwards of five meatball subs a week. But maybe we'll maybe we will have to limit your um uh your time in here to maybe three days a week and you can just have a salad. I mean just think about it. Uh that's a lot of roughage for when you're out driving, but you know, I'll hey, I'll I'll take it into consideration. Mark, you're a good friend. Good, Terry. You are a friend. Okay. <laughs> see you later. Okay, Terry heads back outside. And heads into his car. What does Terry drive? Terry drives like the most 
unforgiving, like old. It's not sorry, not old, but it's like it's kind of like on its last legs in a way, like a little old Honda Accord that like has like bumper stickers from the previous owner that he's like mostly tried to take off and cover <laughs> oh. up with like new bumper stickers for like bands and stuff like that. And like, you know, we only break for meatballs and stuff like that. <laughs> that would be my my other meatball is a meatball. That would be a pretty good bumper sticker. <laughs> my my other meatball is a larger and better meatball. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, OK, he does great. Have, he does have a Mark's meatball. What was it? Mark's meatball Emporium? Uh, Mark's Meatball Metropolis. Metropolis, that's right. Three M's. Uh, he, yes. he has a bumper sticker for them for sure, though, because he wants to try and advertise for them. Excellent. Oh, uh, I think that's very good. Okay, well, Terry's in his car. He, uh, Who does Terry listen to on the radio, or what What does Terry listen to while he's um, eating, his, eating his meatball sub directly in front of Mark's Meatball Metropolis where he <laughs> parked? <laughs> I definitely think it depends on like the night or the season, not to like kind of project myself a little bit onto Terry, mm. but I would like to think that like, you know, he has like moods, you know, ah. um, but today like he's feeling like really good. Uh, so he's put on the greatest hits of Smash Mouth. Oh, excellent. Okay, great. And <laughs> just, just to be clear, it is a Saturday. So he's listening yes. to the Smash Mouth's greatest hits, which I can't imagine that there would be more than two tracks, <laughs> but he's just listening there's to like, it on There's only repeat. like six, yeah, there's and six. like two of them are a stretch, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a 20 minute long album, Yes, <laughs> which is which some would consider an EP, which that would be very funny if your greatest hits were an EP, <laughs> but that's, hey, you know what? That's fine. Um, okay, so Terry just got done eating, and I would think that Terry might be feeling tired after eating a meatball sub very quickly. As you do. Okay, so Terry reclines his seat and decides to take a snoozer. Does Terry say anything before he falls asleep? Uh, probably not. He probably just says, eh, you know, just, just, you know, close my eyes just for a couple minutes. Okay, well then Terry drifts peacefully and quietly and softly into a Death. fairly heavy REM sleep very quickly. Um, okay. Some would say, I... I, I looked this up on WebMD, meatball-induced uh, REM sleep. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah, great. that's scientifically accurate, yeah. So Terry begins to become a little bit lucid in his dreaming. We, we are now in the dream state, and Terry finds himself in what seems to be a cave. And he hears some clattering in the distance throughout the caverns. Also, like a little bit of sloshing, it sounds like. Like someone is stirring something, perhaps. Um, what does Terry do? I think Terry probably kind of like looks around mm -hmm. uh, and tries to see, like, how, how well lit is this area? Not very. You can tell that there are a series of caverns and tunnels down a few of them uh let's just say you're you're sort of in the center thing like if you're if you're looking at it from uh, a bird's eye view it's a circle with a few i guess hallways or caverns maybe five or six off either or off um around the circle and a couple of them have faint light in the distance but you really can't tell because of the acoustics of the circle and how everything's made where this noise is coming from hmm um, is there anything near him that he can use as a light? Because Terry is, uh, ironically, considering he works the night shift, he is a little bit of, a little bit, not majorly, but he's a little bit afraid of the dark. Well, I think that's fine. 
he doesn't have anything in his immediate vicinity around him, but he does, in his dream, have his cell phone in his pocket. Okay, uh, so he pulls out his phone and puts it on the flashlight mode, and then he slowly starts to uh, inch forward towards the sound. Okay, now again, this the sound is kind of hard to tell where it's coming from. Terry, Terry really hasn't gotten a good grasp on it. Now, okay. if you want to, you can do our first roll of the game to see if you can figure out exactly where that uh, where that sound is coming from. Sure. So I guess that's like what? Investigate a mystery? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. And that's plus sharp? Plus sharp. What's, what's Terry's sharp? Uh, Terry's sharp is actually surprisingly okay. Uh, literally in every version of his ratings, he gets uh, a minimum of plus one. Excellent. Uh, so he does have plus one sharp. Cool. Great. So here we go. Oh, snap. Ten, six, and four. Plus one is an 11. Excellent. Okay. So on a 10 plus, hold two. And uh, one hold can be spent to ask the keeper one of the following questions. So I think you can ask me two questions, correct? Yes. Okay. What happened here? What sort of creature? What can it do? What can it hurt? Where did it go? What was it going to do? What is being concealed here? I think the first thing is going to be what is being concealed here? Well, what is being concealed here is a monster, which I'm going to wait to describe it until you see it. Um, Okay. But you do know for sure, because again, this is in Terry's dream, Terry's nightmare, that it is a monster for sure. And I think on an 11, I can also divulge that there may be more than one monster. Oh, okay. Um, And then I guess the next question is, I guess like, where did it go? Because to me, that's in a way is like, where is it? You know, like where where has it gone? Where has it ended up? You hear a particularly particularly lensed a particularly <laughs> that's that's actually rude that that word exists because that's very difficult to say. <laughs> uh, you hear a particularly loud clang, and then a slosh from the cavern or the tunnel uh, directly to your right. Hmm. Okay. Then I suppose he is going to kind of like just sort of like eek like a head around the corner a little bit. Like, you know, he doesn't want to do his big showy entrance just yet. Mm-hmm. But he, he wants to try and see if he can kind of figure out what's, what's coming up. Okay. You start heading that way slowly, but then you begin to hear the, the sloshing and the clanging getting a bit louder. And you start to hear a new noise, almost like a chomping perhaps. And the sound of, if anyone's ever been in a band rehearsal or anything, uh, the, the sound of someone dropping a drumstick. But the, the, the drumstick sounds pretty loud. And you're walking down this cavern. Uh, does, does Terry say anything out loud while he's walking down this, this cavern? Or I guess, what does Terry do? This, that's a good question. I think Terry... I think Terry is, you know... I think that he likes to think that he's tougher than he really is. Mm-hmm. But... I don't necessarily know if he is going to necessarily just immediately pull out his special weapon yet or not. I don't know. I I feel like Terry... This is tough. I, I honestly don't know. I think Terry is going to just... I mean, like, I feel like at this point he knows that he has to see what's going on because he probably can't leave. Mm-hmm. You know, like, whether he knows it's a dream or not, he, I think somehow Terry just sort of... Maybe this is part of his chosenness, but he knows that he can't leave until it's until he's done what he's there to do. 
right? Because there's that whole, like, I'm here for a reason aspect. Absolutely. Okay. Well, if he knows that, then I would assume he just keeps on keeping on, correct? Yes, he keeps on keeping on. Okay, you're, you're, you're walking down this cavern, and the light beca- uh, be, begins to become a little bit brighter. Uh, not necessarily brighter, but you're seeing more of it because you're getting closer to the light source. Right. And then you hear the sound of drumsticks dropping again, or that's at least the, the, the closest thing that you can sort of, what? It's, like it's, equate it to? Yeah, it's, it's sonic equivalent is that. You hear more sloshing. It's getting louder. You you hear some very low murmuring. Mm. So you're thinking, okay, maybe there's a person up here. I don't really know. Um, and then you're you're also beginning to hear some like uh, fast shuffling, some pitter pattering, and you edge your head ever so slightly around this corner because the you you can tell whatever you're hearing is in this next room. And you peek your head around the corner and you see this fairly large. Uh, cavern, or um, I guess area, much larger than the area that Terry originally found himself in. And you see the the back of this fairly large thing, uh, what looks to be stirring a cauldron. And then you also see what looks to be these dog-like things, or these hounds. And then, what do you do? <clears throat> well, I guess at this point, you know, Terry isn't necessarily one for thinking. And uh, I think that, you know, he's out here just sort of doing his thing. And he's like, okay, maybe this guy can help me, right? Because, again, Mm. he kind of tends to think that everybody is his friend. Um, Mostly because he does have uh, a a charm of two. Okay. Um, However, he does have a minus one to cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I think is, I think that's fairly accurate for Terry. Right, like he's he tries to be a charmer, but like he's just not a cool guy. Um, yeah, it 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 seems as though he's perpetually swinging and missing. Yes, exactly. And so that's essentially what he's gonna do when he does the big entrance. Oh, excellent. Um, and he's gonna go, hey, 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 everybody! The party has arrived. Terry is here to help uh, stir the pot, to help do whatever. If you will help Terry figure out how to get home. Uh, so now I have to roll plus cool, and as I said, that's a minus one. Now, that was said as soon as you walked in there and nothing has realized that you're there yet. Right. Excellent. Okay, here we go. So plus cool. Oh, my gosh. Okay, uh, 11 minus one. Or oh, Okay, never mind. I can't do math. 10, sorry, <laughs> minus one. Um, so that is a nine. So that is a mixed success. So you get to pick one person or monster to stop and watch and listen until I finish, but I guess the rest don't. Okay, cool. So you can pick the large thing, with again, with its back to you, stirring this cauldron, or the two uh, hound-looking things. I think I'm going to stop the big guy because I don't know if, like, I, I don't necessarily think that my odds versus one dog aren't necessarily going to be any better than they would be against two dogs. So this thing hears you, uh, and, it, and it slowly, you, you're, you're now beginning to notice that this thing was uh, sitting down, and it begins to stand up slowly, holding a gigantic wooden spoon that looks like it's been stirring pots of marinara sauce for eons. 
and this this uh, this 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 big wooden spoon is about the size of a stick, just like I don't know a standard human being. Let's just say five foot by eight inches. Oh wow! Um, this thing starts to stand up more, and then you're realizing this thing is insanely tall. This thing stands about thirty feet. <laughs> oh yeah, God. why not? Thirty feet tall. Turns around ever so slowly, and then you're beginning to realize, like, what is this thing? What is this thing? It has gigantic horns, two on either side, you know, like standard horns. Think Tim Curry in the movie Legend. Okay. Uh, Those gigantic horns. Then it has a few up front, uh, whatever. I mean, just maybe too many horns on its head. Turns around slowly, and then you begin to realize that this thing is made out of a meatball. (gasps) And it ends up being this gigantic meatball monster who you immediately recognize because it is your dream as... Slagnorioth, the Marinera Overlord. Ah, Slagnorioth. Classic Slagnorioth. Slagnorioth turns around to you and says, Terence, why have you disturbed my stirring of my cauldron? Well, uh, Slagnorioth, I mean, you know, I thought we had kind of a classic uh, partnership here, you know? You've eaten my children since the day you've been born. Or the day you've been able to grasp a meatball. I will not stand for this any longer. Uh, well, that is unfortunate because even if you don't stand for it, I'm gonna continue to eat meatballs. I mean, I think we all know that that's my only course of action here. Slagnorioth screams, although I will not scream. Thank you. Terrence, you are a ghastly human being. And a murderer. And then Slagnorioth aims his wooden spoon at you. He's 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 fairly far away from you. Aims his wooden spoon at you, dripping with marinara sauce, because he is stirring a giant cauldron of marinara. That is his life source. <laughs> I mean, no duh. Right. And then says Attack. And then the two hounds that you've seen laying down begin to run at you, but then you realize that they are Slagnorioth's gnocchi hounds made out of gnocchi, but they have six legs and a gi- and gigantic teeth, and they're very scary, and they're running directly at you. Okay. Terry is going to pull out his special weapon. Okay. And I am very excited for this. So, uh... <laughs> okay, so his weapon, uh, the form um, I have chosen is a handle, mm-hmm. uh, and then the business end, I get to choose three options. So the first bit of it is going to be uh, blade, long. No, sorry, not blade. I'm sorry. It's going to be long, right? So it's kind of like a long sword. Okay. Uh, Artifact, uh, so that it gets a little bit of magic to it. And then it's spikes. Um, But more specifically, there are, it kind of goes upwards, like kind of like a large sword. But then at the end, it sort of makes... Sort of like a, I don't know, how do I describe this? I guess kind of like a fork shape. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Um, And uh, the material, I think I'm just going to say obsidian because I feel like that sounds badass. So it's like this obsidian bladed, uh, but like giant fork essentially. And to me, that just makes sense for Terry. And he goes, uh, let's see, what what would he say? He would say, you gotta be kidding, Yoki. (laughs) Nah, that one wasn't so good. Um, and then he's going to take a swing at the first one, I guess, whichever one is closest. 
Mm-hmm. This would be um, the one approaching you on your right. Okay. So he's going to do some kick some ass. And that is uh, plus what? Tough? I believe so. Let oh, me... hell yes, Terrence. Plus two. Plus two? Oh, dude, yes. Cool and weird are the things that I do not do very well at. But charm and tough? Yeah, buddy. Excellent. Terrence has got this. All right, so here we go. Plus tough. Oh, thank Christ that I have a two. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because that was a five. uh, But you add two and you get a seven. Okay, so on a seven plus, you and whatever you're fighting inflict harm on each other. The amount of harm is based on the established dangers in the game. Usually means you inflict the harm of your weapon and your energy inflicts their attacks uh, harm rating on you. Sure. So that means, sorry, real quick, I have to figure out what this is. One harm plus one harm and add the messy tag. So two harm and magic. So I do two harm plus magic. So if it's at all, if it's at all damaged by magic, then I guess plus another one. If not, that's fine. Okay. So (laughs) this thing uh, leaps at you. And while it's leaping at you, uh, what, what does this look like? Uh, Because you, you do end up completely uh, obliterating this gnocchi hound. Oh, good. Uh, What I think happens is, is uh, he just sort of, you know, plunges the sword into it, right? Like as it's leaping, almost like he's just, you know, with a fork stabbing at a gnocchi. And um, there is also on the handle, like the hilt of this thing, Mm -hmm. um, there is an eyeball. Oh, good. Um, (laughs) And, uh, but like, it's not always open. Uh, And when he plunges it into it, right, uh, because he obliterates it, uh, the eyeball opens. And uh, in a way, it's like you can tell that it's like it's eating almost. And so the sword, uh, I guess, just sort of absorbs the gnocchi of this thing. That's excellent. And then it somehow does some damage to me. I'm guessing that maybe on its way out, I guess maybe it takes a swipe. How much damage is that, though? I don't know. I, I really... I really didn't think this through very much on purpose, and I was gonna say um only like any attack uh, would just kind of just be one harm, but maybe just gets you for one. Okay, so like uh, yeah, that's that probably makes sense because I have protective gear worth one armor. Oh, excellent. So I guess like that one kind of just negates it. Yeah, perhaps when you when you jam the sword into it and the sword essentially absorbs this gnocchi hound, uh, mm-hmm. it pushes you back, and I don't know you bump your head on the ground, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and, and oop, ouchie. And then you get one harm. Okay. Uh, Slagnorioth sees this happen, and he yells, You are a literal monster, Terrence. I mean, I think that that is kind of the, the pot calling the kettle black or something. I am a meatball. Is what he says. And you are a murderer. Um, the, other, the other gnocchi hound is running at you, this time on your... What did I say? On your right this time. Okay. What do you do? Uh, I think I'm going to do another kick some ass. Excellent. Plus tough, which is a plus two, thank God. Does your does your sword, because it uh, essentially ate the thing, does your sword burp at all or no? Um, it might if it gets full, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay, great. Oh, Good. hell yes. An eight plus two is a ten. That is a perfect attack, my friend. Okay, on a 10+, plus, choose an extra effect. You gain the advantage. You can take one forward. Uh, there are no other hunters. You inflict terrible harm. 
you can plus one harm. You suffer less harm, uh, or you force them where you want them. I think I'm going to take the forward, because I imagine that if a two obliterated on the first one, that a two would obliterate this one. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it really does. Okay, and then I'll, and then I'll have a plus one forward against... Oh my gosh, I just forgot his name already. Uh, Slagnorioth. Slagnorioth, right, right, right. <laughs> Good. I was thinking of uh, naming it something like the, the actual meatball monster, like some brand of pasta, but I was like, I don't know about that. That might just be, like, silly. Well, you also want to make sure that, like, we can still get all the hot, hot pasta sponsorships. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, so I didn't want to pigeonhole us, yeah, to, like, only be um, able to get. And I literally cannot think of one brand of noodle. Barilla? There we go. Yeah, I didn't want to pigeonhole us into only being able to get their endorsement. So, hey, anyone's welcome. Um, If this episode moves you in a certain way or you're just like, wow, that episode was just too well planned out and just too good narratively, uh, then we will take your noodles. Um, Okay, so uh, what does this look like? You completely obliterating this, the the second of two gnocchi hounds. Uh, This time it's a lot like, you know, when you put a fork through something like, you know, like when something is soft enough that a fork can just sort of slice right through it, right? That's what so I'm this time about. he's just going to straight up chop straight through it and I guess somehow the sword will still maybe absorb its essence. Okay. Kind of, I guess it, it's gnocchi life force uh, and the eyeball is much more open and present now. Oh, excellent. Okay, so the eyeball is a little macabre and maniacal because I, I would like to picture this if your fork is slicing this thing in half. It jumps at you, but for some reason, maybe it was like a bad jump, I guess, and it kind of angles itself to the side, and you hold up your sword and you slice directly through its body from left to right. And while it happens, even though it is made of gnocchi, real, uh, <laughs> real animal blood pours out of this thing and covers you entirely in blood and it's really upsetting to watch oh, and uh, Slagnorioth begins to scream and wail and also cry because that was, uh, it didn't really like the other gnocchi hound but it really liked this gnocchi hound um, <laughs> this was um, ironically enough or coincidentally enough, this gnocchi's hound, uh, gnocchi hound's name was Terry um, but there was no connection there for sure, it just so happened to be this was Terry um, and Slagnorioth yells, Terrence, what have you done to Terry? I'm, I know that's confusing, but I've named the hound before I even knew who you were, I promise. Uh, and he's going to say, well, I did what I, one has to do when a gnocchi hound attacks. I mean, you know, you send the hounds after me, you think I'm just going to sit here and take it? I guess not. Maybe that was poor foresight on my end, but either way, I, for either way. Okay, so <laughs> now uh, both gnocchi hounds are down and out because they are one was eaten by your sword and the other one w- was literally sliced in half. Now Slagnorioth begins to walk towards you slowly because being made of ground beef and pork and a little bit of veal and breadcrumbs and egg and a little bit of cream and seasoning, uh, <laughs> it's difficult for this, for a meatball, even though this is in Terry's dream or Terry's nightmare, it's difficult for a meatball to move around. So Slagnorioth is a little bit uh, cumbersome and slow moving, but he does begin walking at you with his marinara uh, or with, with his wooden spoon poised to attack. What do you do, Terry? I'm going to try to manipulate someone. Okay. And I'm going to try to manipulate him 
into saying like that like you know i keep the balance between like our worlds right like he puts all the meatballs and marinara into the world but if if no one eats them then they die a worse fate oh okay all right i like this so i'm gonna roll plus charm which is again another plus two excellent Ooh. okay a nine okay total uh yeah nine total Okay, um, so if you, so you're essentially, you're, you're trying to convince Slagnorioth, the um, meatball, or the, the, the marinara overlord, you're essentially trying to convince him to not kill you because on the other side, in the uh, corporeal world, you're the one who keeps the balance, essentially. Yes. Wow, that is, what a cool concept to think of and something that, you know, I think we just think about all too often, you know. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> on a seven to nine, uh, they'll do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show that you mean it. Okay. If you ask too much, they'll tell you what, if anything, it would take for them to do it. Okay, so what would what would it take to prove to you, you know, that like that this is a good exchange? What's the exchange, Terrence? That you let me live, and that I continue to you know usher your children into a better afterlife than the one they would get if they were abandoned and left to rot. Everything I create, you devour like a terrible, ghastly human being. Look, I mean, I'm just saying, if you wanted to not kill me, I'm giving you an opportunity to have an out. I really want to kill you a lot. The much. Okay, so there is apparently no accord that we can come to here? Dunno. Uh, okay. Um, well, I guess if he's not going for it... I don't think he's going for it. Yeah, I really don't think he's going for it. I guess, uh, I guess it's time for Terry to kick some ass. Let's see, plus stuff. Oh, snap, nine plus two. So that is an 11. So I'm going to do, um... Now, does 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 the one forward affect that roll or any roll that you want? Oh, I guess it should maybe affect that one. Nah, I say hold on to it if you want. I don't care. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. It's a dream. Um, okay, so you got an 11. Yeah, yeah, an 11. So I'm going to do extra damage. So I think that gives me another plus one, right? So now it's now I'm doing three damage. Correct. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to do three damage to Slagnorioth. Okay, I'm really proud that you got his name right. <laughs> uh, okay, so what does this look like here? What does this three damage look like? Uh, I think that what he's going to try to do is to try and gain the upper hand is that he's going to try and just, you know, slice off one of the meatball hands mm. of Slagnorioth, the meatball marinara, uh, sorry, the meatball monster, which is also the marinara overlord. Correct. Okay, so which which hand are you going for? His dominant hand. Okay, the one holding the, um, the, spoon. the, the wooden spoon. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, since Slagnorioth, did I say he was 30 foot tall? Yeah. That's so, in retrospect, what a dumb idiot I am. Okay, so he's 30 foot tall, uh, but it is Terry's nightmare. This is not real life. Terry, you leap up uh, almost 30 feet because you're not up to his head yet, and you slice off his arm. Slagnorioth lets out an insanely loud scream and says, What the heck? (laughs) I mean, how on earth? Uh, and then uh, his arm 
uh, hits the ground from pretty high up, sort of splatters. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily crumble too much, but it's like you know you ever been testing a meatball or whatever, taking it out of your Dutch oven, and then it drops on the ground. Like it doesn't splatter, but it like plorps. It definitely yeah, definitely plorps and cracks a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So the I guess plorp would be the onomatopoeia sized right. Uh, whatever happens to Slagnorioth's arm. Okay, so uh, his arm and the wooden spoon plorps and. Do, does does uh, probably when you when you land again because you know Terry is not necessarily used to jumping about twenty five feet in the air. Um, <laughs> you 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 hit the ground pretty hard, and you topple over you and you take one harm. Okay, got it. Okay, Slagnorioth says, "Well, I guess I have to kick you apart." <laughs> and he tries uh, to. He just starts kicking his feet uh, a little bit wildly like it looks looks like he's pretty panicked because you again did just slice off his arm and he's sort of kicking around a little bit what do you do i'm going to hmm this is an interesting thing so he's kicking around i think i'm going to try to okay i think that like as he's coming up to me kicking i'm gonna try and feed my fork sword Mm, good some of the plorped hand uh, and hopefully maybe like power up or something. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing with that, but like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feed my sword and then uh, maybe it's just at the end of the day it's so that he can't reabsorb it or something. I don't know. Excellent. Okay. So you're, you're feeding your sword. Yes. Cool thing to say and cool thing to do. <laughs> I have no idea what I would roll for that though. Uh, me either. Uh, maybe just don't, and we'll just do it. Um, okay. Okay, so you you aim your sword at the arm, and the arm starts to shake a little bit, and Slagnorioth, I guess, kind of deducts what you're doing and says, Don't feed my arm to your sword. That's very weird. <laughs> and then you end up feeding his, uh, his arm, like, slowly is shaking, and then it slides closer to your sword as if being pulled. Uh, like it's on a string or something, and then your your sword uh, absorbs literally uh, Slagnorioth's arm and the wooden spoon, and then uh, I guess that would give you because you're absorbing some of the Marinera Overlord's body and his weapon. That that I'm gonna say that that's another plus one. Uh, that's double advantage, so you have forward and another plus one on your next attack. Okay, I'm gonna roll, kick some ass. And I'm going to try and chop off a leg now. Excellent. Uh, here we go. So I get forward, and now... Slagnorioth yells, If you're planning on chopping off one of my legs, don't do it. You're terrible. I'm terrible. <laughs> um, that was pretty good. Thank you. Okay, so nine... No, uh, eight plus two forwards is a ten. Sorry, three plus five is, is eight. Plus two is ten. And then three harm naturally. Yeah, I think I think I'm just gonna leave the three harm since I now have three harm, and I'm going to suffer less damage so that that way he can't hurt me on this on this round. This is excellent, and I'm very glad that you've chosen to suffer less damage. What this looks like is you you sort of start swinging your sword around your head for some reason really fast because I don't know maybe you're just feeling crazy. And Slagnorioth yells. Stop doing that. That's obnoxious. And then you keep doing it. And then <laughs> you, you, you're, you're doing it even faster, but you're walking slowly towards Slagnorioth. And Slagnorioth yells, Seriously, don't. I don't know who you think you are. And then you slice off 
both in one motion Slagnorioth's legs and then his body head first because he uh, I don't know if I said this before he has a gigantic head uh, and the horns and stuff right so his body sort of topples forward as if his torso was resting on a ledge and he was falling with his head first again this is also not reality and and what you do uh, on such a great roll is you drop your sword and with 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 both of your hands, one hand, your right hand from over top of your head and your other hand grabbing like uh, kind of by your jaw is you stretch your mouth open really big. Oh my God. <laughs> like comically, comically large. And Slagnorioth's body falls into your gullet and you swallow <laughs> Slagnorioth whole. And as you do, uh, Slagnorioth yells, this is very upsetting and also maybe a little perverse. I really do not enjoy who you are at your core. At my vor. At my vor. And then you end up swallowing Slagnorioth, and as soon as the the rest of his body, uh, I guess, falls into your mouth because you comically opened up your face to eat a gigantic uh, meatball monster, you snap back and you wake up and you're in your lift car. What do you do? At this point, uh, the album of the Smash Mouth Greatest Hits is definitely over. So I'm definitely just sort of waking to a jolt, you know, of like, it is, you know, because it's on repeat or whatever. So it's it's now all the way back to All Star, which we don't have the rights to. So I won't sing it. But like, he jolts back and he's like, oh, Terry, that was a, that was a weird one. But uh, oof, this music does not quite fit how I'm feeling. And so he quickly drops down the menu in Spotify and uh, switches over to a Queen playlist and begins to play We Are the Champions. And he's like, yeah, that's more like it. Um, While you're doing that, because you've been sleeping and you might have been doing a little bit of yelling in your sleep and your music is like almost obnoxiously loud because (laughs) and you're and you're literally parked right outside of Mark's meatball metropolis. Right. Mark uh, had thought someone was attacking you in your car uh, and called the police and the, the the police are standing outside uh, of Mark's meatball metropolis talking to Mark and you see him like pointing over to your car and they're kind of looking and writing stuff down. Ooh, yikes. It might be time for old Terry to hit the open road. And with that being said, that's the end of the episode and you've done a fantastic job and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. This was so much fun and you are a very, very funny man and a very good DM keeper. Sorry, I guess is what this game calls it. Uh, and you're a very good keeper. So you should you should do more of this. You know, I might. I, I, I was a keeper one time and I think I just get so caught up like being being fully transparent. I think I had it was only for one small little thing. I think I had four pages of like narrative stuff written and I like... I obsess over it a bit too much, so I think doing something casually like this where I literally, my notes uh, say this. I'll go through my notes. I wrote it in Google Keep. (laughs) Terry getting off his shift, heads to Mark's Meatball Metropolis, orders, eats, falls asleep, fights Slagnorioth, Marinara Overlord. Um, Oh, I even wrote notes uh, that I wanted Slagnorioth to say he was going to eviscerate you because I thought that'd be funny, but whatever. Uh, You fight. uh, He sends out his gnocchi hounds. You kill the monsters, probably, and you wake up. Nice. And I think that was was, uh, an appropriate amount of notes for something like this. Now, if we were doing something 
like all the stuff that you have had planned out for the actual Myth Takes arc or arcs, I think I would lose my mind because I would be I would be writing so much stuff. Well, you know, I think that you're actually okay because I, I will say this that like my ver- the very first arc, Homecoming, had way more notes than this one did uh, than uh, than uh, what's it called than Spellbound. I almost overplanned for for Homecoming. One of the things that I really enjoy is the improv. And I think that I like to try and keep myself on my toes as much as I keep you guys on your toes. Sure. So, you know, honestly, like, you know, I, I mean, yeah, sure that I would have had more pages and stuff, but that's only because it was a much longer story. But truth be told, like, you know, you I think you did a fantastic job and this was uh this was very, very good. And this is what makes for good audio, good radio, good story. I think so too, Colin. Thank you very much. Well, I, I I think that that's what makes good podcasting radio. But also, thank you very much for the validation. I tried. If I said I tried my best, I would be lying. I tried my medium. Your medium rare. I tried my medium rare. Well, hey, always remember to cook your meatballs to full. But medium rare is good for steak, so that's good enough for me. I'm not sure where I was going with that joke, but we got there. Well, I think it was uh, it was a joke turned PSA, and I think it's very important. Um, I think that we can say that sort of like the movie Mac and Me, where it was a commercial for essentially McDonald's the entire time and Coca-Cola, um, <laughs> we can say that this episode has been uh, an advertisement for never undercooking your meat and treating your gnocchi and your pasta with the respect that they deserve. And I think that that's probably it, right? Nice. Well... Uh, that'll do her. And as we say every every year on Myth Takes Unplugged, watch, watch out, out, then, then do, do the, the best, best that yes. you that you can. Can. <laughs> yep, we say that all the time. <laughs> well, Colin, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Thank you to everybody for listening. We hope you actually listen to the real myth takes more so than this. Okay, that's probably good, huh? Yeah, I think so. Bye-bye. Awesome. All right, great. (laughs) 